you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we figured this might be a good time to just reset the Orioles offseason because, as we know, they haven't made a lot of moves, some because of where they are as a franchise and many more reasons because of the lockout that is still ongoing as I record this here on Tuesday evening. But it's nice to look back because, hey, if we uh, maybe think some positive thoughts, we know the owners and the players are meeting multiple times this week in Florida. There's a chance maybe a deal gets done by the end of this week. And then it's going to be a mad scramble in free agency to get players to teams before the start of spring training in March. So for the Orioles, we know they're not going to be super aggressive if the lockout were to end this week. But let's reset what their offseason has looked like. So on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the players the Orioles have added so far that could help them in the major leagues in 2022. We'll talk about the big leaguers that the Orioles have moved on from this offseason. And then at the end of the pod, we'll talk about what could be next for the Orioles if the lockout does end soon and what they could do to add more players to this organization. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we are the only O's podcast out there that is bringing you episodes three days a week as this lockout rolls on. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can expect a new episode of Locked on Orioles in your inbox. And if you are liking what you're hearing here on the pod, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. And if you are a listener on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on those apps, really, really helps out a lot. A lot of you have done that recently on Apple Podcasts. We thank you so much. Uh, for giving a rating and a review. That really, really helps me out here on the podcast. And listenership continues to go up. We thank you and tell your Orioles fans, friends, family members, people in your life about this pod uh, as we continue to grow. And that is all thanks to you, the listener. So thank you again for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, it's our Orioles off-season reset here in late February. Talks are at least a little more frequent between the MLBPA and the owners. We'll see what transpires for the rest of this week, but wanted to at least take a look at what the Orioles have done so far this offseason. Because when we're in a lockout this long, and the biggest move the Orioles make is a minor league deal with Shed Long last week, and that's because you obviously can't give out any major league deals, you, you tend to forget what happened in October and November in terms of moves before this lockout began. So I wanted to kind of do a reset and start with the players the Orioles added. Now, we're not going to go through everybody the O's signed to minor league deals, but there is an episode on every single player that the O's signed to a minor league deal this offseason. But we wanted to talk about the guys who could or definitely will make some sort of impact in the majors for the Orioles in 2022 that they have added to the organization. So let's start with the couple of catchers that the Orioles brought in because we know there is a avoided catcher on the roster that we talked about and still there are currently zero catchers on the Orioles 40-man roster. But we know Adley Rutschman is going to be the guy in 2022. Now, there's a good chance he's not the guy on opening day, and it takes at least two weeks for him to be up in the big leagues or potentially longer. But having said that, 
he's going to be the guy in 2022. But they're not going to want to put all the pressure on him. And really, I don't think want to have a guy like, for example, an Austin Wins be his backup. They want somebody with at least some more big league experience who has been around and, and you know handled pitching staffs more often to be his number two catcher. And so the Orioles brought in a couple of options to try and address that. The first one was Jacob Nottingham, who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal. 26-year-old catcher who has spent his career in the big leagues, at least, with the Milwaukee Brewers and the Seattle Mariners. Was with Milwaukee from 2018 to 2021, then spent a little bit of time in Seattle in 2021 in the big leagues as well. But Nottingham... in interesting guy. You know, he has played in 53 career big league games and offensively, not great. He has a career 184 batting average and a 698 OPS, but he does have eight career home runs and he has mashed lefties in his career. A right-handed hitter who's been bad against righties his whole career, but when he gets a shot against a major league lefty, he has put it all together. He's well above average in terms of a hitter in the major leagues against left-handers. It's where all of his power comes from as well. And so for Nottingham, you know, it'll be interesting to see because he's going to be in a battle for an opening day job and he's going to have a little bit more wiggle room because we don't expect Adley to be on the opening day roster. So there will be two catching spots to be had for the Orioles. But I think Nottingham, at least at this point, has an inside edge. He's a pretty good defensive catcher, which is why the Orioles brought him in. And he has a sneaky bat that hasn't been consistent. But again, he can get hot and he is dangerous against a left-handed pitcher and a good guy. You know, you, you get a lefty in there, maybe you put Nottingham behind the plate, you DH Adley or give Adley the day off, and he can get some things done for you. So he will definitely be an option there, but the Orioles didn't just go with one minor league deal for a catcher. Right after that, they went with another one, and the next guy they brought in was Anthony Bemboom, who has been with the Los Angeles Angels over the past couple of years as their kind of number two slash number three catcher. Bemboom, a lot older than Nottingham, though. Nottingham just 26. Bemboom, 32 years old. He was a 22nd round pick out of Creighton back in 2012. By the Angels, left-handed hitter who bounced around a lot in the minors, uh, finally came up to the big leagues in 2019. He was with Tampa Bay and then actually went back to the Angels uh, for a cup of coffee in 2019. Then he played a little bit uh, after that with the Angels, 21 games in 2020, uh, just eight games in 2021, really was the number three catcher who was called on when needed. But basically what Ben Boom is, is another solid Defensive catcher who hasn't hit in his career. 54 big league games, a 178 average, a 528 OPS. Frankly, his offensive numbers have been worse than Nottingham's throughout a, a very similar um, you know, sample size for Ben Boom over his career. And it's at least a left-handed bat as compared to Nottingham's right-handed bat. But they're kind of similar players. And really, this is kind of adding up to... I would assume it's Ben Boom and Nottingham right now, if you made me guess, as the two catchers who make the Orioles opening day roster. And they basically give the two of them two weeks to platoon behind the plate, battle it out offensively, see how they work with the pitching staff. And then when the Orioles are done manipulating Adley Rutschman's service time and want to bring him up to the big leagues, they'll basically kind of choose between Ben Boom and Nottingham. The other one gets DFA'd and they have their backup catcher behind Adley. So it should be an interesting little competition there going on between 
those two catchers. Speaking of minor league deals, the other guy, of course, is Shed Long. Uh, we talked about him back on Friday's episode with Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Uh, Long, a guy who had been with the Seattle Mariners over the past couple of years. Shorter guy, plays second and third base. Has some pop in that left-handed bat, uh, but injuries and other things have kept his offensive numbers down throughout his career. Was outrighted off the 40-man by the Mariners this offseason. But an interesting guy and another guy who's going to just kind of fall into the infield battle for the Orioles. You know, you feel like maybe one or two spots locked up, but Shedlong is going to battle with guys like Kelvin Gutierrez and Jemai Jones and Jorge Mateo and, and names like that who are trying to get a spot in the infield on this big league roster. And it will be interesting to see how he falls into that mix. But again, we just talked about him on Friday's episode with Jordan Schusterman. Make sure to go and check that out. Now, speaking of the infield, the Orioles did give out two major league deals before the lockout started. And the first one was, of course, to Rugned Odor, definitely the most well-known player that the Orioles have brought in so far this offseason. And what's crazy about Rugned Odor is that he is only 28 years old. He actually turned 28 earlier this month it is crazy that he is only 28. Of course, left-handed hitting second baseman who has been in the big league since 2014 when he came up at age 20 with Texas. And he spent with the Texas Rangers seven seasons, 2014 to 2020, and then was with the New York Yankees in 2021. Of course, he had some good years in Texas. His first few seasons was a really good offensive player. Back-to-back -back 30 home run seasons in 2016 and 17. Had another one in 2019. But in 2019, despite 30 homers, he basically struck out in every other plate appearances. It, it felt like he had 30 homers, he had 30 doubles, and then every other plate appearance was a strikeout for Odor. Things got really bad in 2020. Texas let him go. Now, the Yankees picked him up, and he got a little better in 2021 with New York. But he hit 202, 665 OPS. He did have 15 homers. And he did get 361 plate appearances in 102 games. He played a lot of time with the Yankees. They should not have been giving Rugnet Odor as many at-bats as they did for a team that was in the playoffs. But Odor is still, I think, a major league player. You could argue he's not with the offensive struggles over the past couple of years. But the Orioles basically had to pay him nothing. Essentially, the minimum salary is what they have to pay him because Texas and New York are combining to pay the, the rest of the money he is owed uh, from his initial Texas Rangers contract. So they bring in a guy who's had plenty of major league experience and uh, he's going to fight in the infield and honestly wouldn't be surprised at all if he is the opening day second baseman for the Orioles. He's on a major league deal. He's got the most experience out of any of those infielders. And if it's really bad, they'll just DFA him. But if it's fine, he'll probably be an Oriole for at least all of 2022. Then on the pitching side, the Orioles did make three, at least, additions so far that I could see helping them in 2022. We'll start with the big one, obviously. That was Jordan Lyles. And Jordan Lyles got an amount of money that Mike Elias has not given per year to any other player. As Lyles signed a deal with the Orioles, a major league deal with the Orioles right before the lockout. Now, it is reportedly a one-year, $7 million contract with an option for a second year, but the paperwork isn't official yet because it didn't get done by the time the lockout started, so they'll have to do that when it ends. But we know Lyles is going to be 
an Oriole as long as everything goes well with the paperwork and the physical once the lockout ends. But for Jordan Lyles, he's you know right-handed pitcher, been in the big league since 2011. He's now 31 years old. He has spent the last two seasons with the Texas Rangers where, listen, it wasn't anything spectacular last year in Texas. He made 30 starts. He had a 5-1-5 ERA, but he ate innings. He threw 180 innings last year for the Rangers, which if he was on the Orioles would have led the team in innings pitched. He's a guy who, again, doesn't have the big flashy stuff. He's had much better numbers earlier in his career, although when you look kind of through his seasons, you really point out 2018 when he split the year between San Diego and Milwaukee when he was really at his best. And in 2019, he was pretty good, but the numbers got way worse the last two years in Texas. But even if he has a 5 ERA, he's shown he's durable, he stays healthy, he's a former first-round pick of the Astros. And guess what? He can eat innings for the Orioles. He'll be a, say, number four starter in this Orioles rotation, maybe number three. And I'm at least happy to have a guy who they actually paid actual money to and brought in to eat up some innings, which, as we know, Orioles starters have not done a fantastic job of over the last two years. And then there were two relievers who the Orioles claimed off of waivers. The first one being Brian Baker, 27-year-old right-handed pitcher who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Blue Jays. Baker, who made his major league debut with Toronto this year, uh, came up in early September, pitched in one game through a scoreless inning with a strikeout, was sent back down to AAA, and that was it for his major league experience. He was DFA'd by the Blue Jays and the Orioles claimed him. Uh, he was in AAA with Toronto all year, though, and he had some unbelievable numbers. In 39 AAA games, 41 and a third innings, he had 11 saves. He had a 1.31 ERA, and in those 41 innings, he struck out 48 batters while walking just 17 and allowing just one home run. He's got some pretty good stuff on the mound, and for the Blue Jays, it was just a fact of they had a 40-man roster crunch. They had to make the tough decision to let Baker go. Now, he is a little older at 27, but I do think he's going to make this Orioles opening day roster and help them out of the bullpen. And then the last guy they brought in has a little bit more major league experience and is a left-hander. That is Sionel Perez. He is a 25-year-old left-handed pitcher who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Cincinnati Reds. He was in the big leagues with Houston briefly from 2018 through 2020. Then he got his first real chance in the bigs with the Reds in 2021. 25 games out of the bullpen, 24 innings, a 6.38 ERA. Now, the 25 strikeouts were good. The 20 walks, the five home runs allowed, not so good. He's got some interesting stuff, a kind of a riding fastball and a good breaking ball from the left side, but he's never quite put it all together after he was, at one point, a pretty highly rated prospect in the Astros system while Mike Elias was there. You can see why the Orioles put a claim in on him. Um, but, you know, he's going to be in kind of a competition, you know, with the Tanner Scotts and the Paul Fries of the world where we thought those two guys were pretty cemented, but, you know, Scott had some struggles and some injuries this year and Paul Fry fell apart. So Perez has an even you know better shot to maybe make the roster if he performs well in spring training. But that's a look at who the Orioles brought in this offseason, guys who could help them in the big leagues. Next up, we'll talk about guys who have helped or at least appeared with the Orioles in a significant fashion in the big leagues over the last couple of years, who they have let go, at least so far this offseason. That's coming up right after this. So we'll get back to our Orioles offseason reset in just a moment. But first, let's talk about Built Bar because it's that time of year where you make a resolution and we're at the end of February. 
maybe you're pretty much done with following up on that New Year's resolution. But maybe not this year, because Built Bar helps you stick to a resolution if you're looking to just eat a little bit better. Because Built Bars are delicious. They taste like candy bars. But here's the thing. You forget that they're good for you. That's how they help. And they've also got puffs at Built Bars. Now, you might know the original Built Bars, but the puffs... You're missing out if you haven't tried them. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They've got delicious flavors as well. And of course, the usual Built Bars with 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories have their usual great flavors and a new flavor this month, which is white chocolate cookies and cream. So to get all of this and more, head over to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So as our Orioles offseason reset moves on, we turn things over to who the Orioles have let go because we know that, you know, they did not bring many big name guys in before the lockout, Jordan Lyles and Rubnet Odor being the headliners for the Orioles. But on the flip side, they didn't exactly, you know, lose any big time names on the team and you know they didn't make any kind of trade where a big leaguer goes to one team for prospects either you know they're they're kind of past that big you know trading veterans point of the rebuild at least at this point but there are some names who have helped the Orioles uh, over the last couple of years or at least last season that they have moved on from. I'll start from kind of the lower level guys who still were in the big leagues. Brooks Krisky is one of them, the right-handed reliever who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Yankees in September, made a few appearances for the O's, never really dazzled uh, in any way where you thought, you know, the O's would would really hold on to him in any sense, but there was obviously something they liked to claim him, but he made four appearances. He allowed five earned runs. They actually released him, and he signed with a team in Japan, so that's where he'll be playing in 2022. Kind of also in that same mold is Eric Hanhold, the right-handed pitcher, who the Orioles actually surprisingly lost on waivers. They tried to uh, outright him off the 40-man, and the Pirates ended up claiming him. Uh, Hanhold spent most of September in the Orioles' bullpen, never got many high leverage chances, uh, but he was at least out there throwing some innings out of the pen for the O's, and sometimes out of some of these guys, that's really all you can ask. He pitched in 10 games. He gave up eight runs in 10 and a third innings. Kind of Similar to that stretch of guys with the Orioles, Thomas Eshelman is currently a free agent, as is Chris Ellis. Of course, Eshelman been with the O's since 2019, kind of a starter slash long man role. But after a really good 2020, uh, he did have a really rough 2021. We actually had him on this podcast a few months ago. If you've missed out on that, go back into the archives and check out that interview with Thomas Eshelman. But he is still a free agent. Uh, the way he talked felt like he's probably not coming back to Baltimore. Baltimore, we will see, uh, but he is gone. And then Chris Ellis, which was maybe somewhat of a surprising guy that the O's outrighted off the 40-man, the right-handed pitcher who the O's claimed off waivers from the Rays during the season. Ellis ended up making six starts for the Orioles down the stretch and posted a 2.49 ERA. He was basically a guy who'd go out there and throw five innings, give up one run, and 
he was really valuable for the Orioles down the stretch. The issue is, despite the 2.49 ERA, it's a 5.22 FIP, which is a giant difference, really showing you that if Ellis threw more innings, the peripherals would show that uh, he wasn't as good as the ERA showed, and if he pitched more, the ERA probably would have continued to go up rather than go down. Again, the stuff's not dominant, kind of a solid fastball, 94-95 with a tight breaking ball. He's still a free agent, and I could see the Orioles maybe bringing him back on a minor league deal. Then some of the hitters who are more minor names who are gone. Uh, obviously, Pat Faleka, who's been with the O's since 2020, had some key hits, but really just had a bad 2021. He was uh, non-tendered, which was an easy decision for the Orioles. And Austin Wins is currently a free agent as well. Of course, once Chance Sisko was DFA'd, Wins came up and spent most of the year as the Orioles' number two catcher. Some solid defense, uh, but the bat, again, in 45 games, he hit just 185 with a 540 OPS. He's a free agent, and uh, we'll see if the O's bring him back, but I wouldn't count on it with the other catchers that they have brought in on minor league deals. And then, you know, I'd probably say there's three bigger names that are gone from the Orioles roster. The first one would be Hunter Harvey, which is maybe the most surprising loss from the roster for the Orioles this year as the O's tried to sneak Hunter Harvey through waivers, tried to DFA and outright him off the 40-man roster and hope they could keep him because of all the injury issues that he has had. But no dice. He actually almost made it all the way through waivers, uh, but then right at the end was scooped up by the San Francisco Giants. So he is a giant at the moment. He is currently, I believe, on San Francisco's 40-man roster still. I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco got rid of him, if the Orioles actually put a claim in to get him back. Uh, But Hunter Harvey, who with more and more injury issues, ended up pitching only nine games in 2021, eight and two-thirds innings, four runs, six Ks, three walks. Just can't stay on the field, Ken Harvey. And again, he's not old. It's not like he's in his 30s. You know, he turned 27 in December and was a former Orioles first-round pick in 2013, but it just seemed like time to let him go, and uh, we'll see if he can catch on with the Giants, and I wouldn't rule out a reunion with the Orioles either, but that was obviously a little surprising because, you know, he definitely showed flashes in the majors over the last couple of years with the Orioles uh, since he was called up in 2019, but just never was able to put it all together for the O's, and the injury issues were huge for him the entire time, and even once he got to the big leagues, we thought, okay, he's passed the injuries, they continued to crop up in different forms. We wish him the best, but obviously it was just uh, tough to see him continue to struggle with those injuries. The two other guys, one obviously is Matt Harvey, who was just on a minor league deal with the Orioles for one year. They have not re-upped that deal, at least to this point. And although his season wasn't great, again, he, he threw some innings for the Orioles. He made 28 starts for the O's in 2021. He had a 6.27 ERA in about 128 innings. Of course, Matt Harvey is still a free agent, and we've heard about him in the news for the last couple of weeks, not about his baseball, but about his struggles with addiction, uh, mostly with his time uh, with the Mets and with the Angels as well when he testified during the Tyler Skaggs uh, trial, you know, putting Eric Kay, the Angels director of PR, uh, on trial in, you know, whether he was at fault in the death of Tyler Skaggs a couple of years ago, and uh, it ended up that uh, Eric Kay was deemed at fault for Skaggs' death, and Harvey testified because he was given immunity and talked about uh, his, you know, 
battle with drugs and drug use over his career in baseball and his relationship with Skaggs and MLB, instead of reaching out for support for Harvey, is rumored to maybe be suspending him for a good chunk of the 2022 season. All that said, you know, Harvey still wants to pitch in the big leagues in 2022. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was an Orioles reunion. I mean, to at least give him a shot with a minor league deal and see if he could make the team again. Uh, but at the very least, he did, you know, throw some innings and was out there every fifth day for the Orioles this season. Then, of course, the last guy is Pedro Severino. And this wasn't as surprising as Hunter Harvey, but I think this was the biggest contributor over the last couple of years that the Orioles have let go so far this offseason. Severino, who has frankly been the Orioles' starting catcher for the last three years, played in 113 games in 2021, hit 248 with a 690 OPS. He had 11 home runs. Uh, this was his worst offensive year of his three with the Orioles. He really struggled offensively, which is an issue because... He is a terrible defensive catcher, but what has kept him in the bigs with the O's is that he's been an above-average hitter at the plate and a pretty good hitter for a catcher during 2019 and during 2020, but that offense went away in 2021, and when you combine it with some horrific defense at times, it was time to go. He was the easiest non-tender candidate for the Orioles. They did just that, but you know, props to Pedro Severino. He's already signed elsewhere. He signed actually a major league deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's going to uh, compete for kind of their number two catching job in Milwaukee next year. Maybe replace Jacob Nottingham, who has come to Baltimore, and we'll see if uh, Pedro can pick up that spot and stay in the bigs with the Brewers. But that, you know, really the big names, at least the big names for Baltimore that the Orioles have moved on from this offseason. But next up, we will finish up our Orioles offseason reset and talk about what could be next for the Orioles. Hey, let's say the lockout ends this week, next week. What would the O's be looking to do to add to this team before opening day? That's coming up right after this. So we're back over to finishing up our Orioles offseason reset here in just a second. But first, let's chat about betonline.net because we know the football season is over and everyone just experienced the first Sunday without football over the weekend. But we've still got basketball season in full force, both pro and college hoops. And of course, March Madness is right around the corner. So for all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props and more, you can go to betonline.net because it's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And BetOnline remains the best spot for not just betting needs, but all your sports scores you want to check. They have podcasts and even news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to winter Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at betonline.net, where the game starts. So after talking about who the Orioles added, who the Orioles attracted so far this offseason, mostly obviously before the lockout started, let's talk about what could happen if the lockout ends. Again, MLBPA and owners are meeting multiple times this week. I don't feel good about a deal happening this week, but maybe it could happen. But let's say, you know, Monday morning we wake up and, you know, the lockout is over and it's time to hit free agency again. The Orioles aren't going to be big spenders as much as we would love it. They are not going to go out and sign Carlos Correa when this lockout ends. But realistically, you know, we can talk about what they might do in free agency. 
And we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, had many a Free Agent Friday episodes earlier in the offseason. Go back and listen to all of those where we did a position-by-position breakdown of who the Orioles could bring in. But in terms of positions I think they would sign, I don't think they're done adding catchers. I think there's a potential for them to maybe add another catcher who has big league experience on a minor league deal or even a catcher on a cheap major league deal potentially would not really surprise me in the least. We've talked about uh, a number of different guys who the Orioles could go after. Um, But when you look at the catchers, it's not a great group of guys who are left to potentially be brought in. But at the end of the day, uh, the Orioles could be content with Nottingham, Ben Boom, and then obviously bring up Adley Rutschman. Next up, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got another infielder. And I would honestly say it's probably a good idea to sign either a shortstop or a third baseman to a major league deal. They brought in Rugnit Odor. He's not great, but he's a major league player to play second base. Again, the Orioles aren't going to go after the Carlos Correa's, the Trevor Stories. I don't even think they're in the market for an Angelton Simmons, but I really like the fit of Freddie Galvis coming back initially, but he is actually going to go play in Japan instead. So you kind of look at the guys who are potentially out there to sign. I still like Jose Iglesias. I think a reunion with him could work for the Orioles. Then maybe a guy like Brandon Drury or Matt Duffy over at third base is an interesting stretch. I mean, if the Orioles do want to spend money, it's probably Andrelton Simmons. Uh, You don't like what you get off the field. And frankly, his bat is not there anymore, but he's still an elite defensive player at shortstop. Maybe it's a Jordy Mercer type player who they bring in, a guy who's just been, you know, not a major league starter the last couple years, but he's been a, a consistent player in his career. But at the end of the day, Rugnet Odor and Shed Long, that's, that's not enough. I would add a, another guy there, and the Orioles, I think, uh, will look to do that. And then you go to pitching, really. And yes, Jordan Lyles for $7 million was nice in the sense that the Orioles spent a little bit of money, but the O's need to go out and get at least one more starting pitcher. And again, I'm not talking about a Matt Harvey type. Let's take a, a flyer on this guy on a minor league deal, see if he can turn things around or at least throw some innings for us. They need to go get a guy who they can at least trust a little bit more on the mound than a Matt Harvey type. And some names of guys that I really like, I mean, I would love to see the Orioles go get, you know, a Matthew Boyd who was non-tendered by the Tigers. I think an ad of Chris Archer could be good for the Orioles. Uh, K.K. Kim, potentially, the former Cardinals left-hander, I could see. Jose Urania would be a name that would fit in Baltimore. Michael Pineda, Drew Smiley, uh, Yusei Kikuchi, Danny Duffy. I think all of those names of guys who are free agents could definitely help out the Orioles and at the very least get that rotation to a point where, and here's the important thing for the Orioles too that we've talked about. Yes, they have a lot of young starting pitchers who they want to get a look at this year. And you may think, oh, just put them all in the starting rotation. But if you rely too much on all of those young guys and they're all struggling at one time, like what happened with the Orioles in 2021, you need the fallback options that are better than Matt Harvey and Felix Hernandez. That's what some of those names can do for the O's. And last but not least, I think the Orioles this offseason, this is what I actually have the most confidence in them doing. I think they're finally going to add 
a somewhat legitimate free agent major league reliever. If you look at the Orioles bullpen, it's basically been made up of, you know, failed Orioles, minor league starters, guys they brought up from their own system, waiver claims, and and minor league deals. That's basically been the Orioles bullpen altogether for the last couple of years. I think this is the time to sign a veteran reliever. And whether it be a guy who's going to help you on a one-year deal, just get through the late innings. Whether it be a guy you signed to a two- or three-year deal and you hope is on the next good Orioles team, or it's even a guy you signed to a one-year deal and you hope to just flip at the deadline. Either way, they need somebody like a veteran to come in and not be the closer, not necessarily, but at least come in and help the back end of the bullpen. Unfortunately for the Orioles, a lot of those guys were the guys who actually did sign before the lockout started. Guys like Hector Neris and Aaron Loop, Mark Melanson, Corey Knable. Kirby Yates, Daniel Hudson, all these guys already signed before the lockout started. So if I'm the O's, I'm looking at maybe a Dellen Batances type to rebound with the Orioles. Maybe an Adam Adovino or a Chris Martin uh, who helped Atlanta last year. Maybe a guy like Joe Smith, you know, a veteran submarine guy, a Jake Diekman, a lefty who has been around the block, you know, an Andrew Chafin or even a Yasmero Petit kind of guy. You know, these veteran relievers you can sign on one year, you know, three to four million dollar deals who can help you in the bullpen because the O's really need that veteran guy in the pen. And Brandon Hyde, frankly, really needs that veteran guy in the pen. So I think any of those names could definitely be good options. And as I said, I think I have the most confidence in Michael Elias doing that kind of major league deal once this lockout ends. But again, unfortunately, they're not going after the Carlos Correa type. Maybe, hopefully, that happens next offseason. But that'll do it for today. Just wanted to kind of get you that that reset for the Orioles offseason. And hey, maybe this brings the uh, the good vibes for, you know, I speak this into existence of resetting the offseason to get you ready for when the lockout ends. Maybe this brings good vibes of the lockout actually ending soon. Again, it's on the owners to actually make some concessions and end their own lockout. Remember, they imposed this lockout. But hopefully they will do that sooner rather than later. But we've got one more episode this week on the podcast now. If the lockout does end, well, when we're back Friday, we're going to be talking all about that. If it does not end and there's no deal, doesn't matter. Either way, we've still got a good episode coming up because we're going to be talking to Orioles minor league right-handed pitcher Zach Peek, who made a big leap in the Orioles system last year after coming over in a trade from the Angels. And Peek is going to join us on the pod on Friday to talk about his baseball career, pitching in general, and just a really good conversation coming up with Orioles minor leaguer Zach Peek. So you won't want to miss that when we return on Friday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.